All right, and welcome back to the Started Somewhere podcast. My name's Russ Alex. I'll be your host for the show. Now, I want to thank you so much for deciding to check out the podcast, whether you're tuning in on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, maybe even YouTube or Facebook. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Really, really appreciate the support. Now, today's episode is actually an old episode. Uh, I recorded this just a few years ago, back in 2017 or so, uh, and I uploaded it strictly to Facebook. It was actually a live stream. Uh, I wanted to upload it here on this platform because there are so many people that haven't heard it yet, and I really do believe that this is one of the most value-packed podcast that I've ever uh, done. Uh, the guest is Stefan Arnio, really awesome person, really good friend of mine, real estate investor out of Canada, drops a ton of golden nuggets. So check it out, tune in, get excited. And uh, hey, if you do like the podcast, make sure to leave us a review uh, on whatever platform you're tuning in on. I'd really, really appreciate it and really help out the show. Uh, and then with that being said, enjoy. We have the man himself, Stefan Arniel. Uh, an incredible show, somebody that I uh, really look up to in my business, somebody who, uh, you know, has spent uh, some some phone calls, some late night phone calls with me, giving me some tips, giving me some trip, uh, some tricks, and uh, somebody who's just really setting the bar super, super high in the real estate space. So we're going to let some people hop on here with us live, and we are going to rock out. Uh, Stefan, man, welcome to the show. Hey, Ross, how are you? Good, good, brother, man. It's good to have you here. Uh, I'm glad we can make this happen, man. What's happening up in uh, up in Canada? Oh, it's nice weather. It's, uh, it's summertime. Nobody's working. I called my banker today. They're not working. <laughs> no, I think we just sold a flip today. So, you know, we're, we're just doing business. Wow, man. Stefan, you are just absolutely crushing it right now, bro. And I love it, man. You know, I, I picked up your book, uh, I don't know, maybe about a year ago. Uh, this one right here, Self-Made. And uh, what an incredible book, by the way, man. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, and in the book, you, 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 you go back, you know, you take us back into time. Uh, you know, with, with how you got started and where you were. You know, a lot of people nowadays, they talk about, you know, the ups and, and how things are now. And they show the, the, the luxury lifestyle and the big checks. But, but we all get started somewhere. And, and just like everybody, you got started somewhere uh, uh, as well, man. So would you be, uh, just take us back to when you, you know, 10 years ago or however long you've been in business now, uh, you know, before you got started, man. Well, I, I always wanted to be, when I was 16, I wanted to be rich and famous, so I wanted to be a rock star. And, of course, growing up with MTV, they don't have MTV anymore, but, you know, there used to be music videos and rich people that, that I knew about growing up were, were sports stars, rock stars, that kind of thing. And I wanted to be rich and famous, so I said, I want to be a rock star. And I got in the music business, and I had a band, and with some merchandise and that was going to be the the goal you know get get famous be a rich and famous musician and by the time i was about 22 i graduated from music school i had a shitty band um and my band collapsed and i said you know good riddance enough is enough with this and i started reading books like rich dad poor dad and i started going to real estate seminars and started buying properties and you know fast forward it's almost 10 years later that was back when i was 22 i'm 31 now and uh and here i am you know i haven't had a job since i was 23 i've uh, been out of the rat race for a long time have enough rentals to not work and i've uh, been publishing a book a year that's my goal publishing books and helping people and been co we've got a coaching company now, uh, a flipping company. We flip real estate. We got a home staging company. I'm getting more into e-commerce, and uh, you know, life is life is good today because I planted some seeds a long time ago, and now I've got some trees and some apples and some peaches because I I planted the seeds when I was 22. So that's what uh, that's what people got to do if you want to do this. You got to plant some seeds, and it does take a while. For those seeds to grow but you know i always say there's no job like no job 
Mm, I like that, man. Uh, and, you know, Stefan, you have so many accomplishments. You know, you're an award-winning real estate entrepreneur. You're an author of multiple books. You know, 2014 winner of the Rich Dad Hall of Fame. I mean, all these things are in the business space are just absolutely incredible. But you say that you were in a rock band. I assume that you weren't. Your mind wasn't on real estate and, and, and becoming a real estate mogul and a business mogul. So, did you ever think that you would be achieving all these things in the business space? Uh, no. And I look at my life today. Like I'm sitting in this condo right now in Winnipeg. I have a doorman. We have valet parking. Uh, there's a couple billionaires who live in this building. I'm on the river. I'm in the nicest spot in town. I would never dream I'd be living in this building or living here uh, 10 years ago. And I thought, you know, my parents said, my mom said, maybe you should be an English teacher like me. And I have an English degree, so I could have been a teacher. My dad said, get a job at a bank. I never thought I would be doing all this stuff. And I've traveled around the world now. Um, you know, I, I take as much vacation as I want. I don't like vacation much because it's boring. But, you know, all these things... All these things can be yours if, if you study and, and make the investments. I, I always say this about real estate. Nobody loves real estate, Ross, but we all love the benefits of real estate. Mm. You know, the benefits are I great, agree. but yep. the bricks and the sticks and the dirt, you're telling me you have a tenant. I hate tenants. I have many tenants. I don't like them, um, but I like <laughs> the benefits of having tenants. Hey, man, I totally agree, man. I totally agree. You know, and I think uh, – you know, I, I think we share the same um, the, the same mindset when it comes to that because I tell people all the time, I don't love real estate either. I just love the life that it allows me to live. You know, yeah. uh, if I could have it my way, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't work. Uh, you know, every single day. You know, but I love the benefits and I love the grind. So, you know, real estate's an amazing vehicle. I know that you've been. Uh, you know, doing very, very well in it. But Stefan, take us back, man. Uh, you know, you're, you, you talk about in self-made, you're sitting on the couch, you, you got started, you, you're in this band and you picked up books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, what kind of things were going on in your mind at that time when you were, uh, you, you know, deciding whether or not you wanted to make the switch uh, and, and, and move into the business world? Well, I didn't really have a lot to think about, Ross, because I was screwed. You know, I had an English degree, major in music, major in uh, English, minor in music. That's a shitty degree. I have a shitty, shitty degree. I had a bad job. Um, I didn't have a choice. You know, people say, oh, how would you get successful? Well, dude, I had to become successful. I was living at my mom's house. I was 22. No girls wanted to date me. I didn't own a car. I rode the bus. Um, that sucks. You know, that sucks, man. Nobody, no little boy or little girl says, when I grow up, I want to ride the bus and live at mom's house still. Like, that's that's not the dream. Right. So, so I said, I'm not going to be poor. I refuse to be poor. And being a musician, a lot of musicians, they take a life of poverty. They just say, I'm going to live a life of poverty and make it about the art and all this stuff. And I said, well, uh, that sucks. I don't want to be poor. And I refuse to be somebody who lives that kind of life. And I said, I'm going to be rich. And I started having rich habits. You know, I started saving 70% of my income. I was living on pretty much nothing. You know, I talk about my, my fun money was 20 bucks a week. I go buy myself a bagel for a dollar. I'd eat the bagel and I get like an <laughs> onion bagel. So that lots of flavor, you know, but that was, that was my budget, man, 20 bucks a week and all my money, I was making a thousand bucks a month, all my money, was going into savings so that I could buy a property or get some real estate courses or something because I was not going to be poor, man. I was not going to be poor for very long. I, I, I'm not all about that. I want to be rich. Okay. I like it, man. So what, was, uh, what would you say the first step, that aha moment, the first step that you took uh, to making that transition into entrepreneurship? Well, I think – I think something that people have to do is if you want to get into business, you have to start saving. And I started saving like crazy. I started saving 70% of my income. And I took all that money and I said, this money is for my venture. It's for my farm, you know, my farm. Not, I'm not buying a plot of land in the country and growing potatoes, but, you know, your, your mind is a farm and you have to plant seeds in there and you have to take courses and you have to read books. So I started 
investing all my money into myself and saving all my money. And I think that's a step that so many people nowadays are missing. They don't save their money for themselves. They don't cut back. Instead, they have too much lifestyle and they want to go on all the trips right away and have all the fun stuff, but they're not saving at the beginning to, to get into this. Like it's very expensive to, to run these ventures. You know, they talk about it being no money down or cheap and, that is true. Like all the real estate do is no money down, but the education to get to where I am is very expensive. I spent over 300 grand on my education, Ross, and that's not including university. That's, that's outside of university. Wow. So 300 grand uh, in your personal education, mm-hmm. uh, you say invest in yourself, read courses, read books, start saving. You know, there's somebody out there right now, Stefan, that wants to be massively successful, but they're not willing to do those things. And it's just not connecting. You know, they're, they're, they may be scared to cough up the bucks, man. What would you tell that person? Well, there's nothing in this life for free. You know, there's the, everything takes time, effort, energy, money. I got this wristband. It says respect the grind. You know, it takes 10 years and 10,000 hours to be a master. And there's no such thing as something for nothing. It all costs. It costs a lot of blood, sweat, tears, time, money, effort, energy. And there's no such thing as just magically winning the lottery. It doesn't work like that. You know, you have to make a... I'm I'm successful today or have some success because I've just invested more. That's all it is, Ross. I've just some people invest three thousand bucks themselves. I invest three hundred grand. You know, some mm-hmm. people uh, even now I, I educate and uh, sell courses and coaching and things like that. I invest more in my programs than other people, and they're better programs. Mm-hmm. In my properties, I invest more in my properties than other people. I invest more in my marketing than other people. That's all it is, is you just have to be the person who invests more, more time, more money, more effort. If you invest the most, you get the most. Gotcha. Now, have you ever, with all that money, that 300K, have you ever made a bad investment into your education? Oh, yeah. Last year, I hired three different coaches. Two of them sucked balls. They sucked so bad. And one of them was amazing. But, you know, the cost of, and I say this to people all the time, the cost of not doing it is more than the cost of doing it. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if you hire, make a bad hire, like, you know, I've hired bad employees and I've hired bad coaches and I've taken shitty programs before. I've taken great programs. But the cost of not doing it and staying home is what makes you broke if you just stay home. Like, you know, yesterday I was pricing out, some marketing companies for a tour. I'm going to go on tour and do some speaking. And I think I have to spend something like 60 or 70,000 bucks up front in, uh, in marketing. And my dad's sitting there. My dad's broke as a joke. He's, he's going bankrupt. He's a limo driver, like no vision whatsoever. And he goes, Oh, I wouldn't invest 70,000. I said, well, that's why you're a limo driver. You know, Mm. that's like, it's, it's 70,000. I have to go to the bank. I'm going to get a line of credit just to bankroll a tour because I know, dude, it costs money. Like it costs a lot of freaking money to be on top. Mm. And if you got to, if you got to borrow big, borrow steel, sell your stuff, whatever it takes. I don't like selling my real estate. Like there's real estate I own. I don't want to sell it. And then there's other real estate I'm flipping, but whatever you got to do um, to get in, you got to do it, man. Make, make the investment, make the, the, the commitment, make it happen. Because what's the alternative? What else are you going to do? Exactly, man. And, dude, I couldn't agree more with you. I love that you're saying this right now because I preach this on a daily basis to people that want to cut corners and think that they're going to blow up and take things to the next level on a massive scale. They're not willing to invest in themselves, whether it's time or money, and they think it's just going to happen. And that's just, you know, it's not true. And anybody who has achieved any level of success will tell you, it is you know you, you you have to you have to pay to play, you you really do in the business world, especially if you're an aspiring real estate entrepreneur. Because uh, I mean, there, there's so many people out here doing the same thing you you're doing or you want to do. And if you want to be on top, you have to pay to play. You have to invest, man. So, Stefan, uh, great points, man. Um, that aha moment, you know, um, 
you, 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 you're taking it back. You're doing these things. You, you, you decide you want to be rich. You want to be a, a multimillionaire. Was that the aha moment for you? Um, rephrase the question. Rephrase the question for me, Ross. So, so uh, a lot of entrepreneurs can go back to a specific day or an event where they had this like light bulb go off in their head and, and all this inspiration and all these ideas came and they started jotting the plan out and writing it down. And, and it just, it, it all came to light. Uh, did that, did a similar situation happen for you like that? Or did you just go on and, 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 you know, it just happened as you went? Uh, well, I don't know if I, I think that there's lots of aha moments, but the, I have a thing called a why moment, you know, and the why moment for me is, you know, when I came home from school, I was 17, came home from music school and I, I watched my parents get divorced. I mean, my, my mom told my dad, I want to divorce you. My dad wasn't making enough money. And I got to watch my dad on his knees begging my mom for a second chance, begging her to try again, and she laughed at him. And, you know, I saw that. That wasn't a great thing to see. And uh, I saw that and decided, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let money stop me from having a family. I'm not going to let money stop me from winning in life. I mean, these people, they essentially broke up because they couldn't, make money they just knew how to work and earn money but they didn't know how to create money so when i saw that i said i got to learn to create money and that's something that i've been obsessed with is how to create money you know how do you print money how do you create it like the government creates it mm -hmm. and that's and, something um, that yeah i've got i've got better at that and today i can create money much easier than i could 10 years ago and 10 years from now i'll be printing even more money that's that's a real skill I like that. Now, when you talk about creating money, could you give us some tips on somebody that wants to go out there and start doing that? You know, uh, maybe three tips for somebody to go out and start creating money. Well, creating money is, is value creation. So if you want to learn to create value, you have to learn how to sell. You have to go and be a salesman somewhere and learn how to create value. And so first thing is learning to create value and then selling the value. And that's, that's the biggest skill I think a lot of people miss. I think a lot of people come in entrepreneurship. They have no savings. They have nothing saved up ready for the venture. They don't know how to sell. They never took a sales class. And they go out there and just get freaking smashed. So if you want to learn to create money, you got to learn to sell because there's only one way to make money, Ross. That's to sell. You're either selling your time at your job or you're selling something else. And I sell other things. I don't sell my time very much anymore. I sell other things. You know, people buy books from me. They buy houses from me. They buy, oh, look at this. Oh, yeah, we got a couple books. Yeah, you know, people buy books. People buy houses from me. They buy uh, coaching and consulting. I don't even coach people anymore. Most of the coaches, I have other coaches who coach for me. So we sell packages, but I don't do it. You know, so you either are going to sell your time or you're going to sell something else. And if you're going to sell something else, you got to learn to create value and learn how to sell the value so that you're not involved. And that's when you're really printing money. Mm. So where would you recommend somebody that's just starting out go to learn how to sell? Well, in my book, Self Made, I don't know if you read it. I was talking about how I went and learned to sell vacuums. And I didn't get to be a vacuum salesman because I went to the training and I told my mom, I was living with my mom at the time. I was a teenager. I told my mom, I'm going to sell vacuums. And she fought me so hard. Every day I came home from vacuum training and she'd fight with me for eight hours. And I got so tired after three days of fighting her. I, I had to quit before I even got to be a vacuum salesman. But, um, you know, that's, you got to get a sales job, straight commission. And the shittier the job, the better. Like, Vacuum sales, insurance sales, uh, you know, you could be credit card sales at the mall, you could be doing energy contracts, pest control, whatever, sell some shit on the street, man, like, you know, you got to go and start selling some stuff. That's, that's where, that's where you really learn, go on the street, start hustling, man, I mean, even the Wolf of Wall Street, he was selling steaks door to door and ice cream bars on the beach before he was selling stocks. Yep. Yep, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I know you're really big uh, on the work to learn uh, game and, and strategy. Would you talk about that for a little bit? 
Yeah, well, there's only three ways to get ahead, Ross. There's, you know, you got the blood, sweat, and tears method, which is just go out and make mistakes. That's very long and very expensive, very hard path. Then the second one is work for free. Go work for somebody who has what you want and work for free. Very expensive on your time. And if you're an adult, probably have to make major life sacrifice to do that. Or the third one is pay somebody for advice and knowledge. And so I've done all three in my life. And if you can work for free and work to learn and not to earn from somebody if you're young and if you if you can afford to do that, I think it's a great thing to do. I get I get idiots calling me every day though wanting to work for me for free and I don't really take many people on anymore because they waste my time. You know? Yeah, yeah. All no, these I, I, all these <laughs> stupid people calling me asking me to work for free. I actually had to kick a bunch of people out of my office because they were just wasting my office, you know. Man, dude, I can uh, I can definitely feel you on that one, man. And uh, guys, for those of you that are just joining in live right now, we are uh, live with Stefan Arneo, multimillionaire, super successful real estate entrepreneur. Uh, we will be answering questions. Stefan uh, has agreed to stick around for a bit and get to some questions. So if you have them, type them down in the comments um, and we will get to them. Uh, towards the end of the show. So, Stefan, man, can you tell us about your first deal, uh, how much you made, and uh, and tell us, you know, what what was the deal like? Oh, man, my first deal, my first real estate deal was kind of a shitty deal. Um, it was some, some guys that I didn't know that well. Me and five guys, five other guys, so six of us teamed up, and we bought a little crappy rental property in Winnipeg, and the six of us jointly owned it. So I was, I got the mortgage. I went to the bank, got a mortgage. I had a job at uh, Frito-Lay putting chips on shelves at three in the morning. And so I went to the bank and got a mortgage and we all pooled 1200 bucks each. And we bought this little crappy rental house and first two months rent comes, make 500 bucks cash flow. Then another month of rent, 500 bucks cash flow. We're all happy, high-fiving. We're so smart. And then next thing you know, third month comes, no rent. And so I go check the front door, things swinging open, the tenant smashed it up as a couple of musicians. They came and they did drugs and they poured beer on the carpets and cigarettes and kicked all the doors in and they smashed the house. And I called my partners and said, hey, do you guys want to put more time or money into this house? It's all smashed up. Everybody said, no, I don't want to put more time. I don't want to put more money and it was so much work to try to get these guys to, to work together. And, of course, I have the mortgage. I have all the liability. So I went and got some money from another investor, paid everybody their money back, and then I had to hold on it for five years. So I held on to the property for five years, rented it out, and uh, fixed it and sold it. And I think after it was all said and done, I think I netted like 20000 bucks at the end of the day and um, made some cash flow along the way, you know, 400 500 bucks a month cash flow. Of course, you know, at some point the thing needs repairs and you got to pay it back. But, you know, it was kind of a cool little first deal. And I got to learn about shitty tenants and good tenants. And I got to learn about uh, rent and rental tenancies board and, you know, people smashing up your suites and stuff. So I still have rentals, but I, I really don't like rentals. I try not to take on more than I have. It's just something... They are the key to wealth, but you got to get into the bigger buildings. Like you don't just want to have one little crappy house. So waste your time. Right. So you got in this deal with six uh, or five other guys. Um, if you could go back in time, because from what I understood, you didn't lose money on the deal. Uh, but what would you do differently, knowing what you know now? Oh, man. Winnipeg at the time. Dude, dude. Oh, my God. The shit you could have bought at the time. Like... I would have bought something way better, a multi-unit, something with like a nice parking lot attached to it. Like you could have bought anything in Winnipeg for a great price back then. I would have bought a better building, maybe a multi-unit, something with some parking attached to it. You know, I just, I just wouldn't have even bought that building. I, the building itself, the, the trouble with real estate, Ross, is ROE, return on effort. And you know, Grant Cardone talks about, I like Grant's real estate philosophy. He says, you know, you can go out on the street and beg and get an infinite return 
and, and get 20 bucks. That's an infinite return, but it's only 20 bucks and you're out there in the freaking heat asking for 20 bucks, you know, um, with the buy and holds, you got to get some scale. You got a 50 units minimum. If you're even going to make it worth your time. Like I was looking at a building here. I, I had it tied up a little while ago. It was a warehouse, 90,000 square feet. And I could get it for 900 grand, 10 bucks a square foot. And I was going to take it and develop it into 75 loft style apartment units downtown. And I'd have 75 rentals. It'd be an $8 million building. So that's worth my time, right? $8 million deal. If I do that, I can make a couple million dollars of equity. It's worth the time. As exact same amount of time, I was looking at another deal a couple weeks ago. It's a, a shitty gutted triplex. Beautiful building, 2,800 square feet. I can get it for a hundred and something thousand dollars, fix it up, refi it. I could be in it for no money. I could have like a hundred, 150,000 of equity, make a little teensy bit of cash flow. But the ROE return on effort for like a hundred grand of equity and a little shitty amount of cash flow, I don't know if it's worth my effort. Right? So you can you can make that return, like a good return, but now you own a crappy little asset. Right. I would rather own 75 units with in-house management that I own and control. Like I have, I have 14 employees, Ross. I'd rather have a 15th employee and property management. That's easier for me than for me to dick around with a triplex. Right. But so where you're at right now in your business and in, in, in your financial life, I, I understand that that's your mentality. But for somebody getting started right now, an $8 million deal, even with the ROE factored into the equation, may not be reachable or tangible for them at the moment. So do you feel that uh, there is levels? Uh, would, you, would you agree with that, that there's levels to the business world? Yeah, for sure. Here's what you do. This is what I preach to people. Four greenhouses, one red hotel. Go out, flip four houses. Make 30 grand, 30 grand, 30 grand, 30 grand. You got 120 grand, now go buy yourself a big building. Then do it again. One, two, three, four, take another 100 grand. Go buy yourself an apartment block. Like you can go, okay, here's another example. I could do four greenhouses, one red hotel. Like I've got, right now, we, we, got, we do about a deal a week in my office. A deal to two deals a week. And we either wholesale it or we flip it. So let's say I take um, four greenhouses, one red hotel. That hundred grand, dude, I could put that down on that warehouse. That was a $900,000 warehouse. I could get a VTB on the warehouse, hundred grand down, own that warehouse. Mm. $900,000 warehouse, I could rent that out, make 15,000 bucks cash for a month. Or I could take the same hundred grand and I can go get an apartment block, 30 units, hundred grand down on a $2 million building with a VTB. So what would you rather do? You can get a 30 unit apartment block, which I don't really want. Or I can get the warehouse, which I would like. Or, you know, you could take the hundred grand and make another business. I got a home staging company, you know. Home staging company, I don't even do anything with it. It's passive income because I have a managing partner. I put a managing partner in place. So I just make money every month. It just makes me passive money as much as probably an apartment block would make. Right. So, so you know, you, you get to understand, go to your four greenhouses Flip them, flip them, flip them, flip them, make the money, make a hundred grand, and then go look at some business opportunities. Go look at some, you could buy a business, you could buy an apartment block, you could buy a parking lot, you could buy a warehouse, you could buy something worth your time. Mm -hmm. So just keep rolling it over, keep reinvesting. Now, I know that you're really big on private capital like I am, so... Uh, would you say that somebody is better off investing their own capital from doing the four houses, one red hotel, or just going out, raising a bunch of money, leveraging, stacking up the profits? And uh, I mean, OPM, you know, OPM, yeah. baby. I don't, I don't use my own money yeah. on my deals. OPM, yeah. OPM, OPM. Use other people's money on the four houses, so you're in it for nothing. Like this is, this is what I say, to people. Okay, like you know. I have training 18 to 60,000. If someone wants to work with my company, it's 18 to 60 grand. We show people how to do this. Go spend your 20 grand learning how to do this or 30 grand. It's usually about 30 grand to really learn to play the game. It costs about 30 grand. Sorry, guys. That's just what it costs to learn how to play the fucking guitar. 
You know, it's like it's going to cost you thirty to sixty thousand bucks to learn how to do it. So go spend your money learning how to do it, and then do greenhouse, 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 greenhouse. Do four no money down flips. Make your hundred grand. Take your hundred grand. Go buy yourself something big. No partners on the big stuff. You own it. Forget the partners. Because what I've found, Ross, I've done lots of joint ventures. Partners are pain in the ass. Major pain in the ass having partners and, and holding shit with partners. Huge pain in the ass. You know, I think you're better off to partner, 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 and do all the flips, get the cash, then go own it. And you just own the business. Life is good. Mm. Mm. I, 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 I like it, man. I like it. So when it comes to partnerships in business, because that's what I wanted to talk about next, uh, you rather go out solo and have your team rather than partner up. Uh, is that what I'm getting? Yeah, like I, I own all the shares in my companies. So I own the companies. And I have managing partners. I have people who manage and they get a nice big fat dividend. They don't own stock, but they do get big fat management yeah. dividends. Like my flipping, Ross, I don't do any flips anymore. My team does the flips. I actually don't do anything. So like so that business, I don't, yeah. I don't do the business. It's, it's almost like I've sold it, but I still own it. So I mm-hmm. own it like my capital runs in the business and my team and my office and my brand. And, and like, I go out in the field and shoot a video, but I don't, I don't know what the heck's going on with those flips. Like we do a drive around once in a while. I'll come take a look, but I have a managing partner in place. Same right. with same with my staging company. I have a managing partner, and that guy makes a lot of money to manage those assets. And then I'm working on my other companies. Like I'm, you know, writing another book right now. I get to do what's interesting to me. I'm building a billion dollar company. That's my goal right now. So I'm yeah. building a billion dollar company over here. And these like littler companies, the five and the six figure companies, I got managing partners on, so I don't have to do them. Dude, I can totally relate because I run my business the same exact way. Um, not at the scale that you are yet, but um, the, the same systems, right? And I'm really big on systems-oriented businesses. I think that it's necessary for every business to operate with systems and processes. And uh, the goal here is to work on your business, not in your business. So I think that's, uh, if I'm getting this right, that's kind of where you're at too, right? Just uh, automation, uh, macro manage everything that's going on, collect the checks, but not handle the day-to-day stuff. Is that right? Yeah, well, it's, it's always easier said than done, Ross. I mean, like, you know, I have I have screwed up every single way there is to screw up. I've, I've hired wrong people. I've messed yeah. up. I've messed up the companies. I've messed up lots of stuff before, and uh, I'd say I'm now at a point after operating in the information space for five years in real estate for like I think eight or nine years, I can actually tell you how to actually run it properly. But I've I've broken it, man. I've messed it up. I've screwed it up. I've delegated and and delegated wrong. I've given people keys to the kingdom when I shouldn't have, like, you know, I've actually, I've screwed it up every way possible. And then I've also had to fix it too. And that's, Mm -hmm. um, that's something that, you know, I think people when they get a business go, Oh, I'm going to delegate and I'm just going to be a manager. I'm going to manage a manager. It's not that easy, man. It's not that easy. You can't just give it away like that as the red hot chili peppers say, give it away, give it away, give it away. Now you can't just give it away. Um, there's, there's a whole way to do it. And, uh, and it's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, dude. So let's, let's, uh, explore that area, uh, with some of the mistakes that you've made. What would you say one of your biggest mistakes that you've ever made in your, in the past 10 years of you being an entrepreneur? Oh, I don't even have to go back 10 years. I, I hired a guy last year, a COO, a guy to operate my business. Totally wrong guy. Ruined my culture. Probably cost me half a million dollars. Seriously, wow. just totally. Last year, I was like, you know, exactly what most entrepreneurs do. They're like, oh, I'm going to get a manager to manage everything. Total wrong guy. Wrong culture. Ruined it. Almost almost probably wrecked both my companies. Like could have could have just wrecked them both. You know, you get the wow. wrong guy in there. And, uh, and I've had to fix them. And, you know, it takes, it takes like six months to fix your company up after a mistake like that. 
So what went wrong? Um, I, you know what I did? I was, I brought in a friend of mine, a guy who was too close to me and I was blind. I was just blinded by love and I was mm-hmm. not, um, I'm usually pretty, pretty hard with people, but this guy, I was just, I was just soft with this guy and, you know, it was, Oh, it's coming. It's coming. We're going to, we're going to have great things happening. It was always, we're always just starting. Like it was always going to happen. It never happened. And next thing you know, whole companies turned upside down because, you know, you put in some wrong management and a lot of companies like look at Blackberry, dude, Blackberry had wrong management. They're gone. You know, you have wrong management. you got wrong management on your rental property or wrong management here, wrong management there. Your company is going to be toast so fast with the wrong managers. So this was somebody that was close to you. Um, and I imagine it was difficult to cut that tie. Oh, um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Russ, you know, I lost my best friend. I lost my friend. I lost, uh, I, I lost a lot, dude. Just, just to, you know, you bring, you bring somebody in like that. You think you got it, but, um, you know, people do all the time. They get married to the wrong person. Like I've never been married, but if you get married to the wrong person, that's what that's like bringing in the wrong general manager. That's, that can be very, very costly, very hard to recover from. So what would you say to somebody that is going into business with one of their friends or their family members? Oh, I say, don't do it. You know, don't go in with your family. Like my mother is one of my first investors and I spoil her. She is such a spoiled investor. She gets unbelievable returns from me and she complains. She complains. It's not enough. Well, she gets a return that's better than Warren Buffett's return and she's still complaining, you know? Wow. Um, so I think friends and family, I think it's a real, like, I don't know. I don't see it working very well. If you're married and you have a wife, well, you're, you're kind of in it. You have to probably be in business with your wife, but I think family and friends and, and money is not usually a very good mix because if you can't fire them, why would you, why would you hire them? And same with, you know, tenants, if you can't evict them, like I would never rent to my dad because I can't evict my dad. I absolutely agree, man. Uh, and I think that there's a fine line and a lot of people cross it without knowing the, uh, the possible risks of doing business with your friends or your family. And, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of gurus nowadays, you know, they say the first thing to do when you're raising OPM is go out to your friends and family. And, uh, you know, I, I tell my students, I mean, well, what happens if you lose it? You know, what happens when, when shit goes, goes wrong? You know, uh, you know, you can get a lot of heat um, by doing business with your friends and your family. So, well, you, you um, know, you, you have to at the beginning. I think, I think when you're raising money, friends and family is where a lot of people start. But I always say to my guys, get off that as fast as you can. Like, you know, as soon as you get that thing rolling, like, get get off of that money as quick as possible yeah and and i i I gotta disagree there man because um not saying that it won't work because i'm you know of course it does but what i like to tell people and what i do is and i know you're really big on this when you build the brand and you get the deal the money's gonna follow the deal every time and if you have the brand behind it it's raising private money is gonna come simply well, money is super easy to get. It's especially for real estate, super, super easy to get money. And uh, you're right. The deal, you might've read that in my book here, Ross. <laughs> you know, I think you're reading, you're reading my book. Yeah. I'm doing money, my homework, man. The money follows the deal. If you have a good deal, there's money for it. If it's a shitty deal, nobody wants it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next question for you, bud, is, uh, is it necessary to fail in order to succeed? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. It's a cycle. Like, you know, you're, you're winning and then you're not. And the sun goes up and then the sun goes down and the elevator goes up and the elevator goes down. You have to, there's no elevator that goes only up, (laughs) you know, like it it does go down and you have to get good at going, going down and um, getting, getting messed up sometimes. And, I remember when I was starting out flipping houses, I flipped like 13 or 14 houses in a row, made money every single time. And this old man said to me, have you ever lost money? I said, no. He said, you're going to lose money. 
And I was like, whatever, old man. Of course, you know, I have lost money now. So at some point, you're going to lose money. At some point, you're going to get punched in the face. Mike Tyson says everybody has a plan until he gets punched in the face. You know, mm-hmm. and, and you're going to get punched in the face, especially if you step into the ring. You're totally going to get punched in the face. So just get ready for it. If it doesn't happen right away, Bill Gates says success is a bad teacher. You're going to get punched in the face at some point. You got to get punched in the face. Oh, I, think that's a, uh, I think that's the name of a new book I might write. You got to get punched in the face. <laughs> you got to get punched in the face. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. so uh, really, really awesome stuff, man. Dropping tons of value. And again, guys, for those of you that are listening live or on the replay, make sure interact below, drop some comments in, drop some questions in, because uh, you, you're going to – Stefan comes at a price. Uh, it's not cheap to get this information, so use it while you can. Uh, Stefan, let's talk about zero to a million uh, zero to a million. What does it take to go from zero to a million bucks? Oh, it takes tons of energy and tons of time and effort and money. I think zero to a million is the hardest thing. You know, I remember when I was taking real estate really serious, I was living at my mom's house and I had a car, a computer, a closet with a couple cheap suits in it and a bed. And that was it. Like it was just it was just go time. We're just, we're working every day, 18, 20 hours a day, every day. And we're hustling and I was blogging and I was raising money and managing a bunch of crews and flipping houses. And it's, it's all in, man. If you want to go zero to a million, that's all in all the time. And uh, my goal is I want to build a billion dollar company right now. That's what I'm building. And it's, it's, it's pretty much just as all in. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. No, dude, I, I agree. You, you gotta go all in and um, zero to a million, uh, you know, maybe super, super, you know, uh, difficult and time intensive and all these things, but a million to a billion, a million to a billion dollars, you know, most guys and, 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 and ladies cannot figure out how to cross the $1 billion mark. So what does a billion-dollar company look like to you? Well, the difference is this, and I wrote an article a long time ago. I don't know if you remember this article, but if you want to be a millionaire, you've got to be the local best. So you're the best at built, making pies or the best ice cream shop or the best at cutting hair or the best house flipper, whatever, local best. If you want $10 million, you better be best in the world. If you want $100 million, you've got to change an industry. If you want a billion, you've got to change the world. So... All it is is it's a geometric difference, you know. You can't linear your way to a billion. There's no linear way. It has to be a geometric change. There has to be a transformational different change happening. Like, you know, you look at uh, a hotel versus Airbnb. No matter how good you are at hotels, Hilton Hotels couldn't have come up with Airbnb. Airbnb is a billion-dollar idea. Hilton Hotels is, you know, uh, a, another billion-dollar idea, but it took 100 years to build Hilton Hotels versus Airbnb got built really fast because it was a geometrically different idea. So if you want to do something in the billionaire space, you know, if you look at a guy like Dr. Dre, well, Dr. Dre is the first billionaire rapper because he wasn't even doing music to get to the billion. He came up with the Beats headphones. If you look at 50 Cent with him, he made most of his money on vitamin water. So, like, whatever you're doing to get to the million is not going to be the $10 million game. It's not going to be the $100 million game. It's not going to be the billion-dollar game. Those are all different games, and they're geometrically different games. Like, flipping houses, Ross, you know, I that's a six-figure game. Guys who are flipping houses, that's six figures. You're going to make 100 200 300 400 Maybe $800,000. I don't know guys making much more than $800,000 flipping houses. If you want to go geometric to the next thing, it probably isn't flipping houses anymore. It's Mm -hmm. probably something different. And then Mm -hmm. that game after that is going to be something different as well. Right? It looks looks nothing like the last thing. It's, It's the evolution of a real estate entrepreneur. Right. Uh, the, the multiple tiers, whether it's commercial or 
industrial or hotels. You know, I, I agree with you 100%, man. I don't know personally any 10, 20, 30 million dollar house flippers. Just personally, maybe well, there, there's a few of them there out there. Probably isn't because, yeah. you know, to get to the next level, they probably took their capital, invested into something else, and and it grew. Yeah. I was reading about uh, your boy there in Houston. What's his name? Um, oh, the, the billionaire guy. Nate. Uh, yeah. Nate Paul. I was reading about Nate Paul. He's 30 and he's a billionaire in real estate, which I couldn't believe because nobody does it that fast. But Nate Paul, what he was doing is he was buying a uh, not apartment blocks. He was buying um, storage facilities. He was buying office buildings and retail malls, stuff people didn't want, foreclosed, and he'd go in with pension funds and buy it for nothing at the time when money's the cheapest in history and during the biggest real estate crash in American history. So the guy had a real recipe, and he's been doing that recipe for a long time, and he's just done like 120 transactions that are all big with some pension money, like good for him. But you don't read about that every day. Like you don't read about guys doing that because right. that's, that's so geometrically different. Like, you know, he didn't flip houses the guy flipped one apartment block, made 500 grand on a wholesale fee, and then he went and went big, you know? He's mode, man. Oh, dude, that, yeah, you're right, man. That's, uh, I read that article. For those of you that haven't read the article or don't know what we're talking about, look up, uh, you said Nate Paul, right? Nate Paul, that's his name. He was, yeah. in, he was in Forbes. Yeah, 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 he was in Forbes. Um, so, yeah. Um, Stefan, man, um, one thing that I know you're really, really big on is, uh, you know, running an organization, having the empire. And I think that comes really difficult to some people when it comes to hiring and managing a team and, and being a leader and uh, making sure that people aren't dropping out like flies and they're building, uh, they're helping you build the vision and, and carry out the plan. What are some tips, man, that you have for us uh, you know, on team building and hiring and things like that? Well, you know, Ross, it's really hard because, you know, it's kind of like I can go out there and flip houses. Like, Stefan Arneo knows how to do it. But then to get the organization to do it is another thing. So for me to do it is one thing, but then to have the patience, the time, the effort, the energy – to grow and train a group of people to do it without you is a whole other thing. And I think a lot of people, when they get in this business, and I always tease you, I say, you have to get an assistant. You know, I have 14 freaking people in my office, man. That's a lot of freaking people, 14. Mm -hmm. And there's managers and there's procedures and there's meeting schedules and there's protocols and, you know, we're signing checks twice a month only. If someone doesn't get his check, screw you. You got to wait. Like there's, there's so many things going on in there. My realtor says you need a good realtor. He's watching. Yes, you do need a good realtor. But to get somebody else to do the job that you used to do, very, very tough. Very tough. And I've screwed up many times. I've, I've collapsed the organization. I've lost people that were key people and then you have to go back in time and you have to spend the whole year training somebody else and i think the biggest thing is culture and it's kind of like when you have two people that come together napoleon hill talks about there's a third mind the mastermind is created so there's you know stefan and ross alex and there's a third mind right now the ross alex stefan brain and when you build, when you build a company, there's a mastermind, there's a culture, there's a group brain that gets built, and you have to have a great culture. You have to build a culture so that the 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 Indians, the chiefs and the Indians, the Indians are self-managing because they have a culture. There's a culture. There's a team. There's a vibrancy. There's an esprit de corps. There's a um, there's a skip in their step, and they believe in the tribe, and that's different than you just going out and flipping houses, right? Because you and you is, you're one person. But when you have to manage that tribal brain and that hive mind and the group, that's, that's a totally different game. And it's like, you know, I think people get married. Now, I'm not married, but people get married, and I think they forget about the culture of the marriage, 
right? When you get married or you're in a relationship with somebody, there's a culture. There's a culture of you and your woman or your, your boyfriend or whatever you have. And that culture is another entity. And same with the business. The business has its own culture and that's another entity. And I think one of the things I did in my company is I screwed up the culture. I put the wrong guy in charge and made him a leader and the culture got poisonous and the whole thing almost fell down because mm. that culture was not, it, it was not healthy. It became sick. Great stuff, man. Yeah. And you definitely, you know, I can just tell from your products and, you know, the things that you're doing and, and the people that support you that you definitely work really hard on building the culture. And it's, uh, you know, it's really awesome to see, man. Stefan, before we run out of time, man, I got a few more questions for you. But I joined you on a webinar that you did a couple of weeks ago. And I've been running around town telling people about this thing. I was like, you got to watch Stefan's new webinar. Uh, there's something really, really big happening soon. Uh, from a speculative standpoint, would you talk about that for a little bit? Oh, about the real estate crash that's coming. About the crash, man. The C word. A lot of people don't like to talk about that, but I know you do. So let's let's get into it, man. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I did a webinar a while ago. How the biggest crash in history is coming, and all that it is is you know I've studied lots of different people. Um, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about the crash coming. You can talk to Peter Schiff. He, he's always talking about a crash. Peter Schiff. You can look at you know any number of sources. We are, we are at the time in history right now, Ross, where there is going to be a massive, massive crash and a massive recession. And all that it is is this is the crash that should have happened, but Obama and his boys and George Bush and his boys and Bill Clinton, everybody's been deferring this crash. They keep pushing it off. They keep pushing it off, pushing it off. And I think the wheels are going to fall off the bus. And, you know, I don't have time to talk about it because my webinar is a two-hour-long webinar. I talk about it. I show yeah. you the charts. Is that is that replay up for people to go watch? I, I don't have a replay on it. I think I might make it a product. I might sell it because it's – Yeah, man. It, it was it's awesome. That, it's that good. Yeah. It and, was. And uh, it's, it's serious stuff, though. Like, there is going to be a major systemic change. Like, we could see the end of the American currency. Like, the U.S. dollar might go bye-bye. And if you look at what's going on in Venezuela right now, if you look at, you know, the debt, like poor, poor Donald Trump, he has to try to fix this mess. I don't think he can do it. I don't think anybody can do it. You know, if someone could do it, Trump can do it, but he can't. So, like, you know, you look at this, and the great news is this. Guys like me and you who know how to raise money, when things go on sale, we're going to get really, really rich. And that's something that I've been not so – worried about buying assets i'm i actually have been selling a bunch of assets and getting rid of as much real estate as possible i only have a couple key pieces because i'm ready ready for it to go on sale and then we'll go buy i don't want to buy right now yeah there's some people out there like everybody i know who's really smart with apartment blocks is selling right now or not buying you know, everybody mm-hmm. I know, even in Winnipeg, we have a company called Artists REIT, a huge REIT, and they own one of the big skyscrapers downtown. They're not buying anything. All the big boys aren't buying. They're all selling. Now is mm-hmm. time to sell. So people are selling, and I think that uh, we're going to have a massive financial event happen. Nobody knows what it's going to be, but something's going to happen. The cat's going to jump out of the bag, and if you're not ready to buy, we're going to have some problems. Right. So now is the time, if you haven't already, to get proper training and education so that when it does happen, if it happens, you're ready and you know how to be strategic and go out and buy uh, real estate for pennies on the dollar and create wealth. Is that right, Stefan? Yeah. Well, I missed 2008, man. I got started in 2008. I I missed it. I missed the whole thing because I was too young and too dumb and I couldn't learn fast enough. Yeah, and, and now like it's 2017, we're probably going to see some big stuff happen. Uh, we're going to have some really, really big crashes happen, and you know you got to get ready and you got to be educated. Like I said, it does cost like 30 grand to learn how to do this for real, like 30 to 60 thousand. 
I train people all the time, and I wish that those prices were lower. I wish that you could train people for two bucks or two thousand bucks. It just isn't the case. You just can't do it. You can't give a guy a university level education for for less than that. It's not government subsidized. You know, nobody is subsidizing. It actually costs a, a lot of money to learn how to actually do this. Right. So, so if somebody's out there and they and they want to get involved, they want to get on board. I say. Go and start learning about this stuff because we're never going to see this kind of sale again. It's coming, man. And when that sale comes, get your checkbook ready. Get it ready, dude. Uh, I'll be ready, Stefan. I, uh, I know you will be too. Uh, right. my, one of my last questions here uh, for you, Stefan, is, um, you know, they say that success leaves clues. I really agree with that. And um, I think that it's important to follow those who have achieved the results that you want because there will be a paper trail that you can follow. And a lot of multimillionaires, billionaires, they all have these certain characteristics, right? And for some reason, people don't want to believe it, but you look at the, you know, the majority of wealth, wealthy people, they all have certain routines and certain, you know, mentalities. And there's a lot of patterns there. And I know you, uh, are, are very uh, are a very routine person. You have a lot of things that you do in your life uh, that aid to your success and, and the results that you get. Uh, for one, I know you just did a water fast here in Costa Rica. Uh, you know, I'm sure you wake up at the break of dawn. You know, certain things. So, how important is having a routine uh, in, in your life? Well, I think that everything goes in cycles. And I actually just did a fast two weeks ago, another water fast, seven-day water fast. Um, I think everything goes in cycles. And, you know, if you're talking about time management, rock stars, the people who are really crushing, you're either going to bed at 5 a.m. or getting up at 5 a.m. So I'm actually making a journal right now, a high-performance journal. And it's for people to do their time management and all that stuff. And that's something I talk about in the journal is, you better be getting up at 5 a.m. or going to bed at 5 a.m. Right now, I'm living the going to bed at 5 a.m. lifestyle. I like, um, I'm a very nocturnal person. I'm, I'm an artist. I'm creative. I like, I like the middle of the night. But you're either getting up at 5 a.m. or going to bed at 5 a.m. Like, yeah, yeah, you got an option. Like Gary V, <laughs> he's up till 5 a.m. That guy, yeah. he's going to bed at 5 a.m. Other guys, I wouldn't be surprised if Grant Cardone gets up at 5 a.m. Whichever... Whichever yeah. way it is, there's that 5 a.m. line, and right. you're either going to sleep then or you're Dude, getting up. I'm so glad that you said that because I am the same exact way. You know, so I tell everybody, I don't wake up at 4 a.m. I, I don't, nor do I want to, but I'm usually up grinding. I'm still awake at 4 a.m. So for what you're saying, it's okay that I'm not waking up 5 o'clock a.m. Sometimes I go to bed at 5 a.m. Well, it's 5 a.m. somewhere in the world, I guess. <laughs> you know, at, at the end of the day, though, Ross, like, what, what you need is you need that couple hours of quiet time. And so if you're going to get it between 2 in the morning and 5 in the morning, that's one place for quiet time. Or you get it from like 5 till 8 in the morning, which is another quiet time. I've had both routines before, and sometimes I go on the 5 a.m. get-up routine, which is a nice routine. Trouble with me, though, is I travel quite a bit. And it screws up my routine. And uh, and the other thing is, I, I'm just not a morning person. I'm a vampire. I like night. Um, and at night, I just find that I'm more creative. And a lot yeah. of the things I make money on now are creative endeavors. So, like, right now, I'm, I'm writing my next book, Respect the Grind. It's going to be a fiction. It's about two brothers. One brother respects the grind. The other one doesn't. You see how their lives play out. So, you know, there's going to be... Um, more books, more programs, all that stuff. So I like to create at night, but other people, they like to get up in, in the morning, whatever. It's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can't wait for the book, man. Uh, Stefan, if you were uh, to start all over again, uh, all over again, um, and, and from, from day one, uh, when you first got started, um, what's one thing that you would do differently? Drop out of school when I was 16 and learn to sell vacuums. I go sell vacuums when I'm 16. I think oh, school's, school's the biggest thing. Oh, these were nice, man. These were, um, <laughs> shit, what were they called? The Oreck. The Oreck Challenge. Oh, dude, these were $3,000 vacuums. What were they called? They, you, you, you see these things, dude. They work for like 50 years. What, what was the name of it? It was, oh, it'll come to me. 
Oh, the TriStar. It was a TriStar vacuum. These freaking things, man, they're de- they were designed in World War II jet engine factories. So it's a freaking jet engine inside of a vacuum. And nobody sells them because they're 60 uh, – they, they last for your whole life, these things. Most, most vacuums break down because they're fundamentally flawed machines. But the point is I would drop out at 16 and I would start selling vacuums. That's what I would do. And, and one day I'm going to have kids. They're getting homeschooled. I'm not sending them to the public school. Public school system is the worst education in the world. It's shitty. America really, really sucks. Your education's horrible. Canada's education's also shitty, but it's much better than America's education. America's education is like the bottom of the barrel. Horrible, horrible hey, education. And I, I, you know, I can't. I don't have kids, so I can't relate in that sense just yet. But um, no, I, I like that, man. So you would drop out at 16. You'd go sell vacuums. Uh, if you could go back in time. And, uh, Stefan, I ask every guest that comes on this show this same question, and uh, I'd like you to just give it a little bit of thought uh, because how old are you now? 30 years old? 31. 31 years old. In 31 years of your life, Stefan, what is the greatest advice that you have ever received? Um, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. I think, I think the biggest thing that's important for people is we, we overestimate what we're going to do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10 years. And I think that if we just understood the power of compounding and the power of leverage, we can really, really get somewhere, you know, like just, just the small things, man. Like I, I blogged every day for 120 days when I started my career, my career exploded. And guess what? I stopped blogging. I think, fuck, if I went back in time five years and blogged every day for five years straight, I'd be the biggest blogger in the world. And mm. I've started blogging again. Um, but just like little compound things like that, little, little compound things. You know, if you just took a little bit of money and saved it, it compounds. I, I've never been a guy who just saves money. I just start businesses now. I just take money and I start another business. I don't invest in stocks. I don't invest in those things because I always – think that I can beat the market with my own businesses and my own inventions. But just the little things compounding, like the little, littlest things. And I think we always forget about, oh, it's going to take so long, or I, I, don't think, I don't think I can make it in time. But we forget the time passes anyways, Ross. The time's going to pass, and if you just got started, and if you just had a little bit, just put a little bit of effort in, and that little bit of effort adds up because compounding. You know, it's amazing. I wrote, I wrote this book in 2013. And this book, I think I probably sold, I don't know, maybe 10,000 copies of it now. So 10,000 people out there are reading this book. And that's just Stefan selling books out of his car and over the internet. Well, this little invention, I took a $3,000 course to learn how to write a book. And then I spent, I think, another 2000 bucks publishing it. So that little thing at age, what was, what was I, 25? At age 25, that compounds over the next 75 years. That little book, that little invention is going to keep going, keep selling, keep selling. And then the opportunities that come because you wrote a book, right? Mm-hmm. Now, those compound. This book is still selling every day. Every day, we're probably selling at least 10 of these every day. Every day somebody's buying that, and that's just a little crappy compounded thing. Now, what happens when I have, Ross, imagine in 17 years when I have 20 of these published, the compound effect of all those little, now those are just the little sales, but then there's all the other things. There's the audience. You have an audience of people, and then that compounds. And so I think we just, we don't think about compounding enough. Right. Compounding is so powerful. And, and this builds on this and builds on this and builds on this and builds on this, you know, Um, and we just, we don't think about compounding enough. That is some fire advice guys. Uh, Stefan, man, what a bomb, what a bomb. I know people in the chat are loving it right now. Uh, and they want more Stefan. I wish we had more time. We're actually out but they want more. We've been talking about these books the whole time. Stefan, people are probably going to blow up your inbox, man. Where, where can they reach you? What's the best way to get in contact with Stefan Arneo? 
Or they can go to stefanarnio.com, S-T-E-F-A-N-A-A-R, two A's, double A-R-N-I-O. You can type that in maybe, Ross, and they can see where to go. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, those those are – that's where you go, and you can get these books online there. And yeah. you, can get, you can get on Amazon or whatever, but, you know, sometimes I think if you go on my website, I think you can get this book for three bucks. We have a special. It's on okay. special. You can get right. it. But you got to yeah. go to my website and uh, and and get the special. You got to look around for it. I don't think it's totally obvious, but it's there. So that's stefanarnio.com. And uh, you also have a uh, pretty active Facebook and Instagram account, which is your name, Stefan Arnio, guys. So go follow him. Go add him up. Drop him a line. Uh, and, Stefan, you'll be here in the comment section if there's any questions after. I'll tag you in. Uh, and, and you've agreed that you'll stop by. I know you're, you you got a lot going on. But um, if somebody drops a question, man, you'll be, uh, you'll be around, right? Yeah, whatever you need. I mean, I'm I'm on Facebook all day. It's my focus group. I'm always checking things right. and trying things out, you know. Well, Stefan, dude, it was an absolute pleasure, man. What a great interview. You dropped so much uh, bombs. In fact, I have notes all over the place, and I'm sure that everybody uh, that tuned in uh, has a lot of notes as well. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate you having me. All right, guys, want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode with Stefan Arneo. Really hope you enjoyed it and got some value from it. If you did, I would really appreciate you just taking a second or two and giving us a review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. It would greatly help me out. It would help the show out. And of course, we can't wait to share the next episode with you. If, if you do have anybody in mind that you want to see on the show, you want to see get interviewed, Drop a comment, send us over an email, and uh, we will definitely do our best to get that person on the show. Everybody have a great week, and we'll see you soon. Take care.